Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. And today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. A quick note. The Super Bowl 53 referee will be John Perry, who at one point did officiate in the Big Ten. The NFC Championship game referee will be Bill Vinovich. The AFC referee for the Chiefs and the Patriots will be Cleet Blakeman. Walt Coleman is retiring, and so is Pete Morelli. All right, time now for our play-by-play call of the day. Syracuse goes to Cameron indoor and wins. Battle against Jack White in the front court. Four minutes remaining in overtime. Battle sizes up Bolden. Step back. Long two for Tyus right down the middle. And it's headed the other way with Duke trailing by four. Three seconds left. 30-footer out front for Barrett. Back rim no. High in the air. Down to the orange. And you can keep your jacket on tonight. The orange have knocked off number one in Cameron. In overtime, it's the Cuse 95 and Duke 91. Matt Park with the call on the Syracuse IMG radio network. Uh, Syracuse fell behind 11-0 in the game, but when Trey Jones got hurt about five or six minutes into the game, it really changed the dynamics of the game because Jones is such an outstanding defender. They were Duke was getting a lot of offense off of its defense, in part because of Jones getting into passing lanes and making plays. When he went out, it changed Duke defensively, but it also changed Duke's depth because they already had another player out of the game that couldn't play uh, last night. I, think it was, I want to say it was Barrett that couldn't play last night. And so they already had a depth issue. It also didn't help that Jack White, who was mentioned in that clip by Matt Park, was 0 for 11 in threes last night. And let's give Syracuse credit. Down 11 nothing on the road. Cameron going crazy. They were able to withstand and played well. And in that last sequence, again, Duke's down four, so you need a basket. In that last sequence, Duke had the ball with, oh, no, no, 17 seconds to go. They didn't snap off a shot till three or four because, A, Syracuse's 2-3 zone, which they extended out, which they did to the three-point line, did a great job of covering up. And also, I thought Duke showed terrible on-floor judgment as to what they want to do. Yeah, it kind of puts it in perspective. You hear about all the, the, the phenomenal freshmen you know, that Duke has, but let but they're freshmen. <laughs> Sometimes you think there could be a moment or two where you know that that shows. So. I'll say this about Zion Williamson. You know who he reminds me of? Were you going to say Charles okay, Barkley or no? He's three or four inches bigger than Charles Barkley. Except he might have a better jump shot. Oh, boy, he is... He is good. Oh, he, now, elevate. last he night, elevates. But, but, there's, but there was also a couple times inside last night where he didn't finish. That really helped Syracuse out. And, you know, when Syracuse, you know, for the big man for Syracuse is not a great free throw shooter, and he stepped to the line and to his credit knocked down a pair last night. Uh, you know, give Syracuse credit. 
Um, I don't know the name of the player or the orange, but I guess he was. I think he was in the middle trying to uh, trying to get a block, uh, trying to get a charge on on Zion, and and I guess he got knocked out of the game. <laughs> but when you see that body uh, that, type of holy man, <laughs> good that, luck with that. That will happen. Uh, that will happen. We want you to step in there. It's, Take a charge. Ooh. Why don't you Ooh, show me, me how what? to do it? Why don't you show me how to do it first? <laughs> Let's, uh, you give me, you, you know, you show me how to do it first. We'll be fine. I got a buddy right By over the way, here. Nickname Suit. I mean, he well, he, yeah, put him in there. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just show me. Uh, very quickly, I just want to say uh, the coaching profession absolutely needs men like Joe Susan. Joe Susan is an outstanding coach who understands academics, who understands and knows football, knows the value of football, knows the value of uh, discipline, and knows the value of what a college education in combination with football and that discipline can mean, not just to a degree, but in everyday life. So Bucknell has been very lucky to have had Joe Susan as their coach. So... I want to make sure we mention that before we moved on. Nora Princiati is going to be on the show in the next half hour. And uh, we'll talk to her about the, the Patriots. It's, it's almost laughable that the Patriots were the underdogs. We're the underdogs. But there, do you think there's a person outside of New England that's buying that? Well, it's like what Tom Brady told Tracy Wolfson on CBS after the game. Oh, everybody thinks we suck, and then they even got a laugh out of her. It's like it's just uh, how he how he can turn <laughs> the court of public opinion out there to the yeah. for, you know, for the Patriots to uh, yeah. to their benefit, to, you know, so they can get even more. So we can, can get more. Yeah. We can get more motivation, which yeah. I've always yeah. I've always found that mumbo jumbo to be exactly that mumbo jumbo. Guess what? You're playing to get to the Super Bowl. If you're not motivated by that, you probably should not get on the plane. Oh, no, I need that extra motivation. We're an underdog. Oh, cut me a break. You're yeah, but I will say ball. this, though. If you just look at the stats, you know, Philip Rivers has three touchdown passes compared to one for Tom Brady. And if you see if uh, Gronk only has one grab the entire game, you just look at those stats and you okay, who are you going to pick is going to win the game? Who do you think is going to win that? Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's because I go to the next line and I see Sony Michelle. Yeah. 100-plus yards. I think he had over 100 in the first half. Yeah. He had three three rushing touchdowns. They controlled. Again, what did all four winners have in common over the weekend? All four winners controlled the line of scrimmage on each side of the ball. And the Patriots, City, and the Patriots put Gronk in as a sixth offensive lineman. Yeah. Kansas City, New England, New Orleans. Eventually, it took New Orleans a little while, but New Orleans and the Rams controlled the line of scrimmage on both sides. I mean, the Rams had two runners over 100 yards. Kamara had a good game uh, for the Saints. Obviously, you know, with Williams, he I think Williams had over 100 yards rushing, two for Kansas City. Plus, they protected Mahomes, and I really liked the game plan they had. They came out of the gate ready to go for it, Kansas City did. Now, they slowed down once they got the 14 nothing lead. But it, you look at, at how the game played out, I mean, the one you know, essentially, the one touchdown the Colts got was on a block punt, and the Colts were number one in the NFL at forty nine percent on third down going into the game, and they were what over the first seven or eight in the game. 
In other words, when the game was really on the line, they didn't produce a single first down on a third down play. So that's coming up this weekend. So again, the uh, so in, in the three guys, I think you would expect. You know, John Perry. I think that was actually what we were talking last week. You asked me who would referee the Super Bowl. I think I said Perry, didn't I? I believe he did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then Blakeman and Vinovich weren't uh, officiating the last weekend's games. You probably figure that they were the choices to be the conference ones because they're usually up grade wise in the upper echelon. I mean, Vinovich is the one that, I mean, he ended up in a really good spot compared to Blakeman, though. He's indoors. <laughs> Blakeman's like, wait, what did I do, Ryan? you got to put me out here in the tundra at Arrowhead. I mean, it's going to be really cold there on Sunday, I guess. That is. Yeah, this could be compared to the uh, Packers-Giants uh playoff game in Lambeau about what 10 years ago when the uh, yeah. yeah it was below the, zero the, wind and the, chills and, and, and the Giants won the game yeah that was the amazing part I mean normally that you know over the years traditionally and I'm not just talking about the 67 ice bowl but every time the Packers have played teams where it's been that cold normally they've had the advantage Peter King was talking about that this morning on NBCSN on pro football talk in his weekly hit with uh, Mike uh, with uh, with uh, Florio and he was talking to both quarterbacks after that playoff game and the and the the, the quarterback who complained more about the cold weather was Brett iron- Favre. yeah ironically enough was Brett Favre and not Eli Manning right and they're both southern guys Fars from Mississippi, Manning's from Louisiana. Well, this is uh, so that will be coming up this weekend, and I mean two really good games. Now the question is, I don't know if I'll be back to see it or not. <laughs> We've got to leave uh, Friday to go to Minnesota. Yeah, the, now, the, the flyout's getting earlier and earlier, and hopefully, earlier, the, the, fly, and hopefully the flyback's not going to be later and later and later. So fingers well, crossed. Well, this, this was one of those uh, either-or games. In other words, you're either going to play at this time or you're going to play at that time. They don't, deter- they don't determine the time until a couple of weeks ahead of time. And this is one I lost track of. And so after the Michigan State game, I was just looking. And actually, I was looking at uh, at Michigan State just to make sure what the time was for Iowa tomorrow night. Because I had to do the, the Penn State Insider Report, the athletics report, every day. So you want to make sure you get the time and the airtime correct for all the stations. So I looked at it, and all of a sudden, then the next game up was Minnesota. I went, 8.30? <laughs> that game's at 8.30? <laughs> Great. Yeah, I double checked with you because I first thought it was four thirty. That's because it was yeah. because originally it was at four thirty, and they they switched it. Uh, I can't. I don't know the reason why they switched it. I, I'm wondering if there is a game on CBS on Saturday at four thirty that involves the Big Ten, which then they want to showcase. They like to showcase those in a singular realm. That could be, or or it's on Fox. It might be on Fox. And uh, 
But the game's at 8.30. Then I start looking at the forecast. Okay, was it supposed to snow? Oh, geez. So the options are you get back into State College, you're good. It works out just fine. Or this is what I always love. We're going to take you to Pittsburgh. Well, okay, now what do we do? you got to take a bus. Well, we fulfilled our obligation. What do you mean you fulfilled our obligation? We're 130 miles short here. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, and the other one is you stay overnight in Minnesota one extra night, and then you go back Sunday. So, oh, well, you work with it. It's the way it is. You work with it. That is the way it is. Uh, I watched some game. Nebraska crushed Indiana last night. That game was at Indiana. So I think they have been concerned about that. Maybe they lost, quote, a little bit of their swagger. And Tim Miles said afterward, he says, I don't know if we really got it back against Penn State, but we won the game. Well, you have to feel like they walked out of Indiana with a little bit of swagger after what they did last night. That was a big win for Nebraska. Older team helps them. You know, the two transfers, Copeland and Palmer and you know, and. Roby's Roby's a guy that a lot of guys in the NBA really like. You see the mock drafts. They've got him between 25 and 35 in the mock draft. He's 6'8", has a 7'2 wingspan. Uh, and then there's Watson. Boy, do I, I, I like Len Watson. Watson has improved all of his numbers from a year ago. Higher shooting percentage. Higher three-point percentage. Fewer turnovers. In his numbers across the board are all better. He's playing like a senior point guard. Yeah, we got a good top ten matchup tonight in hoops. You got Virginia, Virginia Tech. Uh, Tim Brando yeah. will have that on ACC Network tonight. Absolutely. And now let's look at see. There are only two undefeated teams in college basketball right now: Michigan and Virginia. Virginia, which actually has some very good offensive talent. Plays. I don't know if anybody plays better defense in the country than they do. That pack line defense, they're so good at it. Virginia Tech, well, there's only one team that's beaten them this year. <laughs> it was Penn State. That's one of those, again, it, it shows you what you can be. Because remember, Myron Jones shot the ball well that night. He had 18. They did so many things so well that night. That's why this recent stretch has been so frustrating because you know what they can be. You know, the the, the close games that they lost, they lost at Alabama, that was a close game. It's you know that's why this stretch has been so frustrating uh for them and it's you know frustrating for the fans, obviously. Very frustrating for the fans. All right, we'll come back with more in a moment. Nora Princiati, Boston Globe, final half hours. We continue on News Radio ten seventy WKOK brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Great to have you with us on the show today. Talk with Neil Kulong on the show tomorrow. Looking forward to that. Neil will join us at 3.35 tomorrow. And we'll get into what's going on with the rare revolving door for the Steelers when it comes to the coaching staff. The Steelers have been the 
um, poster child of NFL stability. With their, it doesn't mean a coach doesn't leave here or there. I mean, Dick LeBeau at one point was the Steelers' defensive coordinator. I mean, Steel, you know, there have been coaches that have left over time. Uh, Carnell Lake had been the defensive backfield coach, and Tom Bradley is now. So, I mean, it's happened before. They've made moves. But, you know, I think the Mike Munchak move has really stunned a lot of people. And let's look at it from this point of view. How often have you ever heard of the two finalists are, and in this case, Vic Fangio and Mike Munchak? Okay, they make their selection. Vic Fangio gets the job. And Fangio's waited a long time to be an NFL head coach after a a career of distinction as a defensive coordinator. How often have you heard the runner-up also gets a job? How many times have you ever heard that before? John Elway had a great day yesterday. Steelers Nation had a very, very rough day. That was a tough loss to see Munch well, at Denver. I think what, what John Elway is doing in his management tenure, the Broncos have been to the Super Bowl twice. Seattle ran them out once, and then, of course, they beat Carolina in Super Bowl 50. In Super Bowl 50, what were the two areas where it was unquestioned Denver was better when the day was over with. They were better defensively, big Fangio coming in now, and they were much better in the offensive front because they could run the ball, like Munchak coming in. So he's bringing in two individuals that he feels fit the model of how they won the last time, a strong defensive mind as a head coach and a strong offensive line coach. And what Mike Munchak did in Pittsburgh was outstanding. He did a great job with that Steeler offensive line. He had a lot of talent to work with, but he still did a great job with it. And you could tell, quote, they believed in him. That's a big loss for the Steelers. And you'd have to ask Mike, you know, you know was it money, was it situation, whatever, you know, it has to be a list of reasons why he did it. But the Steelers are rare. And I think the Steelers, didn't they lose their running back coach to Arizona? I believe the Cardinals signed him. Not it's sure. rare. That, I'm not sure about the running back coach. but uh, It's yeah. rare when the Steelers have a situation like this where you feel like there's a revolving door of coaches. Considering I've only had three head coaches since 1969, Chuck Noll, Bill Cower, and... And Mike Tomlin. I always love on CBS how they call him Coach Cower all the time. Yeah, it was James Saxon. Uh, yeah, parted ways with the Steelers. Uh, uh, yeah, the team opted not to renew his contract. And he was with the Vikings and was with the Steelers for five years. Right. Okay. But you're correct. He's now with the Cardinals. But just different to see the Steelers in that spot, I think. I mean, you know, you followed the team a lot closer than I have over time. They are your team, after all. Although I understand that at the moment you've put yourself into the transfer portal. For a different team to root for? <laughs> yes. It could be. It could be. <laughs> Let me just give you one, another perspective on the transfer portal. Do you know how many transfers are in the database right now? For football? 
Yes, as of yesterday, for Division Two and Division Three, there are 571 names. If you combine FBS and FCS, which are 253 teams, 253 schools, there are 1,000. Which means, on average, that's four per school. It's the way it is. When you break it down between FBS and FCS, being 253 schools and about 1,000 in the transfer portal, that's roughly four per school. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. NFC Championship game will be the late game. As the Saints take on the Rams, the early game at 3.05. The Chiefs and the Patriots. With that, we bring in Nora Princiati from the Boston Globe. Nora, welcome back. It's great to have you with us. Sure thing, Steve. Thanks for having me. Nora, uh, these two teams played earlier in the year, and it was quite an offensive show, and it was a terrific and entertaining game. But you and I both know that teams change as the season goes. Where have the Patriots changed, in your opinion, since that night? Well, one thing that I think could end up being significant is that their secondary looks pretty different from how it did in week six. Uh, You know, in in that game, Eric Rowe and Jonathan Jones both played significant snaps at corner. Now we're seeing Stephon Gilmore, obviously, who, you know, was a starter in that matchup, too, but uh, he's still there, obviously. Uh, But then it's Jason McCourty and J.C. Jackson, who's an undrafted rookie who has played phenomenally, broke into the starting lineup and hasn't relinquished it because he's just been, I mean, an incredible, particularly just in terms of ball skills, being able to defend the deep part of the field. He's been as good as Gilmore uh, since he jumped into a larger role. So that, you know, just because it gives the Patriots two guys and, and a third was Jason McCourty, who's played well who can really handle some of these top receivers man-to-man, if if that's what they're asked to do, I think that could significantly change things just in terms of having a super, you know, high-flying, both teams scoring in the 40s in that first matchup type of game. Well, what's interesting is if you and I were to sit down in October and talk about, all right, the high-scoring teams in the NFL, the Saints, the Rams, the Chiefs, Yet the highest-scoring team over this past weekend happened to be the Patriots. They're the only ones that cracked 40 points. They had 41. What have you seen from the offensive line and also now Sony Michelle's feel for working with that offensive line? Well, so they're really good. And, and to be clear, just so that it doesn't sound like I'm, you know, being too kind to the team that I cover here, I would say that if you wanted to pinpoint the strengths of this team, I would start with the offensive line and the secondary. That's the two things yeah. that we've just talked about here. And, I mean, Sony, for, for a rookie, has been really good. Uh, there were a couple games where, you know, 
in part because they were just asking too much of him and, and the other parts of the offense weren't working, so they were just too predictable. He has disappeared a couple times, but when the running game has been going well, he's been uh, – the offense as a whole has, has been really good. And, you know, it, it seems anachronistic in today's NFL to be talking so much about the run game. But for the Patriots this season, when that's been working, that's when they've had those, you know, 40-plus point outputs like they did in the middle stretch of the season and then again like they did uh, against the Chargers. All right. So, yeah, now I asked you about the Patriots. What have you observed? And, you know, of course, you're covering the Patriots over, over time. But what's been your feel for Kansas City? Because they're not putting up 40 points a game anymore either. Yeah, and, you know, full disclosure, I would not say that I'm I'm caught up on their film enough to really diagnose it. Right. It did seem like, you know, having Sammy Watkins back was potentially a good thing for them, although, you know, it's not like they were scoring 40 against the Colts either, who have a good defense. Um, I would just say that you see a little bit of, it's hard to talk about vulnerabilities with Mahomes because he's incredible, but, you know, he can be a little erratic, a little bit of a risk taker, sometimes in ways that are delightful and other times in ways that make you think, okay, the, the, the Patriots defense, uh, they can intercept passes. That's, that's, one, that's one strength. You know, this defense isn't perfect, but like I said, I think the secondary is good, and particularly with Jackson and Gilmore, you know, those are two guys who have elite, elite ball skills. So uh, taking what I've seen from them over the last chunk of the season and last week when the offense hasn't looked quite as unbelievable as it, as it was uh, in the middle of the season, you wonder if that's an area where the Patriots feel like they match up favorably, and, and that was something. I actually just got out of the locker room like an hour ago, and Jerron Harmon, one of their safeties, said that in pretty clear terms, that they feel like, you know, even with Watkins, Tyree Kill, who's probably the most dynamic, explosive weapon in football, they're not. They feel like they they match up pretty well against this passing offense. So I will certainly be watching that, and it could go either way. That's the fun thing about these kind of strength on strength battles. But I do think the Patriots have, relatively speaking, to where other teams would would feel going against that group, some confidence. Well, let me put it this way. I don't think it was a coincidence that the Chargers played so much better against the Ravens after seeing them three weeks earlier and getting a handle on how Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh want to run that particular offense. The second time through meant a lot. When you talk to the Patriots players, they've now seen Mahomes. They've now seen how they had Kareem Hunt that night, too. But you know, how much do you feel that they are helped because this is the second time around against them, and now they know what he can and can't do? Well, that typically is is a situation that works in the Patriots' favor. Uh, Belichick, obviously, you know, with with more time, more time to scout an opponent's tendencies, he tends to do pretty well in those situations. I don't think Andy Reid bad there either 
you know, I mean, he's had so much success after bye weeks, which I think in some ways is it's a little similar just because in both cases you collectively have more time that you're putting into preparing an opponent, even if, you know, it was earlier in the season and then now. Um, so I don't think, you know, I, I think both teams can use that. I think with, with Mahomes and with some of the guys like Hill, you know, Belichick said something funny today where someone asked him a question about kind of how do you, how do you coach your players to get ready for someone with Tyree Hill's speed. <laughs> you have to do different things in practice. And he just kind of, he said something like, what do you, what do you mean? Can we, can we get someone in practice to be as fast as him? <laughs> Which of course the answer is no. Uh, <laughs> if they could nor he'd be playing. Of, <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and my point was in sort of rambling towards being that, it's great and all to have a good sense of what they're able to do. The problem is it's darn good what they're able to do, and you still have to stop it. And, you know, some of the throws that Mahomes can make, obviously the speed, it's really hard to prepare for even if you know that it's coming. It's really hard to stop even when you know that it's coming. So I think there's a limit to how much just sort of the mental stuff and and – that kind of execution can always help you against a team like the Chiefs, but obviously it's important because I think they know that the Chiefs are going to make some plays. It's almost a given that they're going to. And then when you couple that with, you know, okay, Tyreek Hill is going to have a couple explosive plays, but then if you also give him a couple more easy ones because of coverage breakdowns, then you're in a bad situation. So the point is limiting it to pretty much just the plays where all you can do is, is tip your cap. And, you know, you'll feel fairly confident that the Patriots are going to be able to run on this Chiefs defense and hopefully bleed the clock if, if you're Josh McDaniels, you know, put together some long drives, put your defense in a good situation, and... Uh, you know, I, I don't think they want to be thinking about playing keep away in terms of an individual drive, but over the course of the game, I think they would like to have a kind of possession advantage, keep Mahomes off the field, hire out the run defense so that as, as the game wears on, they're able to be even more successful in that area, which really has been the recipe for them all season when they've been successful. Fans think and notice everything. Uh, the official for Sunday's game was also the alternate official for the Colts-Patriots championship game, and we all know what game that was. It is Cleet Blakeman. Uh, <laughs> are you surprised that Twitter is blowing up with the fact, especially in New England, about the fact that he has been assigned to be the lead official for the game on Sunday? I actually hadn't even, gosh, I haven't been on Twitter enough. I hadn't even seen that. That's very funny, I'm sure. I mean, the Internet can have a good good, good time with anything, as, as we've seen with all these Adam Gates memes that are going around. But that's pretty funny. I'll, I'll have to go see who, who had the best yeah. jokes about that. Yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll have to see it. it it's, it's a long list. The fans noticed right away. There aren't many I mean, people on the face of the earth who know who the alternate official is ever. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Ever. 
I have not asked you a question. I haven't asked you any questions yet about Gronk or about uh, about Tom Brady. When you watch Tom Brady in this particular year, do you think there are some subtle adjustments, Nora, that he's made to his game to allow him to continue to be effective, but do so in a forty-one-year-old version of Tom Brady? So, actually, no, I don't really think that. Uh, it's been an interesting year for Brady. I think what's become a little bit more clear is that he had a knee injury that was kind of bugging him for a few weeks. He, uh, when they ran that, they ran a trick play where he was supposed to catch a pass against the Titans, and he fell and he hurt himself. And oh, at least what we've heard in in uh, the aftermath is that he banged up his knee doing that, and it was affecting him slightly. Um, but potentially, you know, in a in a meaningful way, even if he was still able to play with it for the later part of the season. And it's only you know in the last couple of weeks, and then really over the bye when he felt fully healthy again and it did look for a chunk of the season like he might be hurt not really in the way that he was throwing the football because even if he was a little bit less consistent he could still make kind of Brady-esque throws but Mm -hmm. he was rolling away from pressure particularly to his left side a lot and that was something that we were noticing and thinking, like, this is this is abnormal. And at first you wonder, is this a 41-year-old quarterback who, you know, knows that the division is not going to put up a big fight and that he can get to the playoffs and maybe he doesn't want to take hits until he absolutely has to. But then now it seems more likely to me at least that, you know, if he was dealing with an MCL injury, which is what we've been told is, is the case, then mm-hmm. – that's probably the explanation. That's the more likely explanation. So okay. I would be, I would like to see him do it another week in a row to feel more confident in in that. But that's what it seems like to me because really all season, it's the consistency that hasn't quite been there. It hasn't done that. You know, his ability has changed in any kind of wholesale way. Finally, I have to ask you about Rob Gronkowski. Uh, we talked about the running game. There were times it looked like he was the sixth offensive lineman out there. Where do you think he stands right now? Because obviously his body has been so banged up over the years. Yeah, well, I think it's kind of it's kind of a sad story, really, because I, I know Gronk still loves playing football, particularly when he feels good. But he doesn't always feel good at this point. And he's not like Brady. He doesn't get the same, you know, satisfaction out of eating only vegetables and (laughs) spending five hours a day in the training room and and doing all that stuff. He's not – he would – he loves football when it feels good, but when it's a chore, when – He's dragging himself, you know, onto the field and and being poked and prodded and has to get all of the massages all the time and it's, it's everything, you know, it's such an operation. 
I think he loses a little bit of the joy in it, and he's been in that place at times this season where, you know, the, the physical ailments start to become a mental problem, too, because he just doesn't feel as, as engaged. That said, I think you saw a player on Sunday or whatever that game was, I don't even know what day it is at this point, <laughs> who was incredibly involved in the blocking game. Uh, just had that one, you know, rumbling downfield catch, but still showed off some physical ability on that play and made an impact on the game. So is Julian Edelman their their most important pass catcher on offense? Yes. Is Gronk still a factor? Also, yes. And I think that with the bye, he is a little bit closer back into that space where he feels better. And that impacts, obviously, not just what he's able to do with his body, but it just helps him from an all-around kind of how he's feeling about, about playing football perspective. Nora, it's an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for the uh, discussion and also for the insight. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. Nor Princiati from the Boston Globe. We'll come back. We'll wrap it up in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Hyundai has the brand new Hyundai you deserve with savings of over $7,000. Buy a $25,000 2018 Santa Fe for only $18,259. That's a savings of over seven grand. A 2018 Hyundai Elantra is discounted to an unbelievable $14,810. Sunbury Motors Hyundai has a 2018 Santa Fe Sport that was $34,890 and now only $28,840. Hyundai comes with America's best 10-year 100,000 mile powertrain warranty. No matter what what size SUV you're looking for, Sunbury Motors has it. 2019 Hyundai Konas, only 23210. 2019 Hyundai Tucson, only 26110. 2019 Santa Fe's, only 26775. And the 2019 Santa Fe XL starts under 30 grand. Now, now is the time to get the new Hyundai you deserve from Sunbury Motors Hyundai in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury. All right, great to have you with us. Neil Kulong is going to join us on the show tomorrow to talk about the Steelers and about the NFL in general. Uh, Doug Peterson made it plain and simple today. Their quarterback moving forward is going to be Carson Wentz. Look, look, they made the decision on this a long time ago. The first opportunity they had to play Carson Wentz this season, they played him. You remember, Nick Foles was the starting quarterback in the opening part of the season. Nick Foles has delivered everything that an Eagles fan could possibly want. He went out there and, in the clutch, delivered one great postseason performance after another last year, and I thought it was terrific in the opening week of the playoffs this year. But they have really made it plain and simple from the get-go that Carson Wentz is their guy. Like they're not in the position they're in last year unless Wentz I mean, essentially what Wentz did is he pulled a Phil Sims from the year the uh, Giants won Super Bowl twenty five. Remember Super Bowl twenty five is the one Jeff Hostetler, former Nittany Lion, former West Virginia quarterback, as a backup quarterback, helped the Giants beat the Bills. 
But what people forget is the Giants, who got off to a phenomenal start that, that year, first, I don't know, 11, 12 games of the season where I think they were 11-1. and one. Sims was the quarterback. Then he got hurt, and when he got hurt, then Hostetler stepped in. Well, essentially, Nick Foles did the same thing. Well, in the end, and the key to knowing what the Eagles are thinking is that the first chance that he had once he came off the list is that they played him. And that's not a knock at all on Nick Foles. I'm just telling you that they, their own actions as a, as a football coaching staff. I mean, just their own actions and decisions of the coaching staff tells you what they think as to who they think their starting quarterback is. No, well, they still have twenty million to give Nick Foles to stay one more year, but he definitely has the right to start sixteen games as a starting quarterback for another team if that's what he wants to do. And I don't blame him if he wants to do that. He has earned that right. He's earned that right, and if he wanted to be a starting quarterback somewhere, he deserves another chance to start with a team that's his own team. He's already proven that he as cool as it gets when you're behind center like him. What an impressive run he's had. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.